Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah. Allahumma alimna ma yanfa'na wa anfa'na bima alamtana. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. This is the second session of the book, Umdut al-Fiqh. And we started the book of Tahara uh, of Imam Ibn Qudama al-Maqdasi, rahimullah ta'ala. Last week we spoke about the beginning of Kitab al-Tahara. What did the Imam mean when he says the word Kitab? What does Kitab mean linguistically? We said Kitab has the meaning of Takattaba. Okay, like we said, the gathering. You say Takattaba al-Qawm, that the, the people, they gathered together. So the word Kitab it has the meaning of gathering. And here, it has the meaning of gathering of ideas pertaining to a particular topic. Okay, what is the meaning of Tahara linguistically? Cleanliness, very good, thank you. The meaning of Tahara linguistically is cleanliness. What is the definition? Istilahan. Istilahan means technically. What is the technical definition of Tahara? So we said Tahara, it is irtifa' al-hadath wa ma fi ma'nahu wa zawal al-khabath. Okay? We said irtifa' al-hadath means to raise a state of impurity, intangible impurity. Hadath is that state of impurity that requires wudu or it requires ghusl. So hadith, you have the state of impurity, intangible, which is small. Hadith al-asghar requires wudu. Hadith al-akbar requires ghusl. Okay, this is what we said. Uh, how many types of water did we say that there are in this chapter that we are going to speak about? Three. And what are they? Very good. Tahur, Tahir, and Najis. Najis, everybody knows it's impure, right? What is Tahur? We said Tahur, Tahir fi nafsihi, al mutahir li ghayrihi, wa baqi ala asli khilqatihi, haqiqatan aw hukman. This Tahur water is pure water in of itself and it's purifying for others, meaning you can use it for wudu and ghusl and for removing najasa in, on certain places, right? It's pure in that manner. And it remains upon its natural characteristics of water. It remains upon its natural characteristics of water. That is the simplistic definition of tahur water. The second category, tahir, okay, we didn't get into discussion of tahir yet, did we? We didn't discuss tahir. We just discussed tahur. Um, so we spoke last week uh, about the type of water which is tahur, basically. And we mentioned something important. We said that two types of water they don't become impure, right? We said qullatain and al-ma'ul jari, running water. Qullatain, who can remember the definition or the size of qullatain? We said it's an arm's length and a quarter, as the brother said, in, in height, in length and in width, okay? So like the size of this table. Or we said in terms of liters, it's something similar to 307 liters, though this differs from country to country. Okay, each country has its own definition, but that is in the past, like six, seven hundred years ago. As for now, it's roughly 307 liters, or it's the size of this table, as I said, okay? So we said that this qullatain, if it reaches that, the Prophet said, that when water reaches this level, it doesn't carry impurity, meaning it doesn't become impure if najasa falls into it. What was the other type of water that doesn't become impure if najasa falls into it, I mentioned? Water which flows, running water, okay? So these two types of water, they do not become impure if water, if something falls into them, unless something happens. What did I say? 
can make it impure. There's one of, so the water has three characteristics, right? It has taste, it has color, and it has smell. So this qullatain, which doesn't become impure if a najasa falls into it, but if there's enough impurity that falls into the water, which causes one of these characteristics to change, then that qullatain size of water is given the ruling of now being impure. Likewise with the running water. If water is running, we said it cleans itself, right? It doesn't become impure. But if you find that there's so much najasa in a particular stream where the water is running, that one of the characteristics have changed, then we give it the ruling that it's now become impure water. But other than qullatain, sorry, if it's qullatain and running water, the normal situation is that it doesn't become impure unless one of the characteristics change. Taib, this is where we got to, I believe. And then the Imam, he says, وَمَا سِوَى ذَلِكَ يَنْجُسُوا بِمُخَالَةِ النَّجَاسَةِ بِمُخَالَةَةِ النَّجَاسَةِ And other than these two, water becomes impure just by the mere fact of najasa falling into it. So if water is less than qullatain, or water is not running, then as soon as you know that najasa has entered upon this water, the ruling is given of this water that now it's become impure, even if I cannot see a change in the water. But I know some najasa has entered this water. But it looks normal, right? The characteristics are the same, the smell, the taste, the color. But according to our Imam and those who agree with him, which is the majority of ulama, they say from the fact that the, uh, that the najasa enters the qullatain, or sorry, less than qullatain or non-running water, then by virtue of the fact najasa has entered it, we give it the ruling that it's now become impure, even if what doesn't change? Even if the characteristics do not change. Tayyip, this is the opinion of the majority. Now Imam Ibn Taymiyyah and others who agree with him, they say, no, that's not the case. This is the second opinion. The opinion of the Imam I've explained. And that's the opinion we need to memorize and we need to understand, as I keep saying again and again. What I'm going to mention now is just extra information. Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, he says, if you look at the hadith narrated by Imam Ahmed, where the Prophet ﷺ was asked about Bir al-Buda'a. Bir al-Buda'a was a well in Medina, in Medina to Nabi ﷺ. And this well, when the floods would come, the floods would carry a lot of impurities into this well, right? It's not that as some people think that the Sahaba would throw impurities into the well. Rather, the wind or the water from a flood would carry impurities into the well. And the Prophet ﷺ was asked, Can we make wudu from this well, knowing that it has impurities in it? The Prophet ﷺ said about the well, That verily water is pure and nothing makes it impure. Okay? So people like the great Imams like Ibn Taymiyyah, they said, look, this hadith is known as mantuq. Mantuq means the Prophet ﷺ has spoken specifically about a topic, right? And the previous hadith which we took of the qullatain is hadith mafhum. Mafhum means understanding that you gain from the hadith. What was the understanding we gained from the hadith? The understanding is that anything below qullatain becomes impure if najasa falls into it, right? That's mafhum of the mafhum al-mukhalafa of the hadith, understanding of the hadith, right? But in this hadith now, which is speaking about the well, the well in Medina, it's mantuq, meaning that the Prophet ﷺ is speaking with, directly about a particular topic, which is that water does not become impure. 
So Imam Ibn Taymiyyah and others, they say, If there is a contradiction, apparent contradiction, between the mafhum, the understanding gained from a particular hadith, and the mantuq, the spoken of a particular topic in a hadith, then the mantuq takes precedence. Then the spoken words of the Prophet on a particular topic take precedence over the mafhum. Okay, so here Ibn Taymiyyah is saying, that even if water is not running water or it's less than qullatain, then it doesn't become impure just because najasa falls into it. According to Imam Ibn Taymiyyah and others, it becomes impure only when one of the three characteristics of the water change due to impurity. You see the difference in the two opinions. The opinion of our Imam is that anything which is less than qullatain or anything which is not running water becomes automatically impure if you know Najasa fell into it, whether or not the characteristics have changed. But others like Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, they said, no, the water doesn't become impure only if the characteristics of the water change, whether it's less than qullatain or whether it's not running water. In any case, it's only if the characteristics of the water change, inshallah. So this is just extra information for the sake of exercising our minds. You can go back to the video, inshallah, Watch it once or twice, and I'm sure you will get it, inshallah. The Imam, he says, So the Imam, he's giving an old definition of what qullatain is. Okay, we gave the easier definition, so we'll move on from this part of the sentence. The Imam now, he's going to go ahead and he's going to speak about what is tahir water. So we spoke, we know what najis water is, impure water, and we've learned now what tahur water is, the water that you use for purifying yourself, making wudu and ghusl. Now the imam, he's going to talk about the third category of water, which is tahir. Tahir water is tahir fi nafsihi ghayr mutahir li ghayrihi. Okay, it's pure in of itself, it's pure water, but you cannot use it for purifying. Okay, you cannot use it for purifying yourself, for making wudu or making ghusl or washing najasa, of the carpets and elsewhere according to our imam and those who agree with him. So this tahir water, why it's important to know this category is because this tahir water, if it falls on your clothing, what's the ruling of your clothing? It's fine, excellent. So you can continue praying in it. So that's why it's important to know the, the ruling of this water. It's not tahur, but it's not najis. Okay, it's in the middle, it's tahir. Okay, it's pure in of itself, but you cannot use it for purifying. So the Imam, he gives now three examples of this tahir water. He says, The Imam, he says that if water, the tahur water, has something pure cooked in it, like for example, meat or onions, okay? And this meat and onions mixes with the water, okay? And it overtakes the properties of the water. So what is overtaking the properties of the water? Not something najis. Something which is pure, like meat, it's not najis, right? Something like onions, not najis. But when you mix it with the water, what does it become? It becomes something else. You don't call it water anymore. Now you call it soup. Maybe not tasty soup with onions, but it's still soup, right? It's become soup. So it's not considered now water. So that's why it's given the definition of tahir water. If that was to fall upon you, it would be considered tahir. It wouldn't make you najis, but it's not used for purifying. 
with me so far? And then the Imam, he says, All this water is used in removing the hadith. What's hadith? Somebody tell me again. Janaba, for example, or the other one which is less than Janaba? Wudu, for example, wudu. So you have Janaba, which is, uh, requires ghusl, and then you have wudu, okay? The things which require wudu. So hadith is that. So if the water has been used for removing the hadith, then this water becomes tahir. It moves from tahur to tahir. But note here, we're talking about uh, ghusl or wudu, which is the obligatory ghusl or the obligatory wudu. Not tajdeed al-wudu, for example. You already have wudu, you haven't broken the wudu, but you know that it's from the sunnah and it's recommended that for every salah you make a new wudu, if you, even if your wudu hasn't broken. So in this case, the water will remain tahur. But if you use the water to actually remove the state of hadith, which is when you actually require to make wudu or ghusl, that's when it becomes tahir. And the evidence for that is in the hadith with the Prophet ﷺ in Sahih Muslim, لا يقتصل أحدكم في الماء الدائم وهو جنب That one of you should not make ghusl in water which is not running while he is in the state of janaba. Okay? So the ulama, they say that the wajhu dalala, wajhu dalala means how we extrapolate, how we take the evidence from the hadith. They said if it wasn't the case for the Prophet ﷺ gave the nahi of making ghusl in the water, then it would remain tahur. Okay, so what makes it tahir is the fact that it was used for removing hadith. So removing hadith, as our Imam said, is one of the cases where the water becomes tahir. Okay, so to simplify it, if something is mixed with the water and it overcomes its property, something pure, not talking about impure, and it overcomes its properties, like now it becomes soup, or it becomes tea, or you put orange juice into water and mix it, it becomes diluted orange juice. This now is considered tahir water, okay? Or if this water is used, musta'mal uh, water, for raf al-hadith, for the removing of the hadith, then this also becomes tahir water. It's not tahur anymore. And a point to note here, when the ulama, they talk about musta'mal, ma'ul musta'mal, fi raf al-hadith, used water, in removing the hadith. What are they referring to? It's the water which comes off your body. That's what they mean by al-musta'mal. It's not that which remains in the bucket, okay, or in the basin. That water you can use, again, or somebody else can use for making uh, wudu. Tayyib. So this is what our Imam and those who agree with him say on this issue, on Tahir. Imam Ibn Taymiyyah and others, they say, that in fact, the reality is, there's only two types of water. There's only najis and tahur. He says, Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, there's no tahir water. Why does he say that? If you go back to the verse in Surah An-Nisa, which we mentioned earlier on, where Allah says, فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا صَعِيدًا طَيِّبًا If you do not find water, then make tayammam. Okay? Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, he says, if you look at this verse, ma فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً مَا This noun meaning water, it comes nakira. Nakira means it's not, yes, what's the English word? It's uh, unspecified, unspecified. It doesn't have the alif lam ta'rif, okay? It, it's not a definite noun, it's an indefinite noun. Indefinite article, indefinite noun, okay? مَا So he said, look at how it came in the verse. It came في سياق nafi. It came in the context of a negation. فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا If you do not 
This is the negation. If you do not find water, so number one, the water came unspecified, indefinite, right? Number two, it came in the context of negation. And the ulama of Asul al fiqh, of the rules of fiqh, they say, that nakira, that this un, uh, unspecified noun, if it comes in the context of negation, then it means general. It gives the meaning of generality, tufidul umum. What this literally means in a, in a conclusion is according to Imam Ibn Taymiyyah that as long as the water is considered water, then it's permissible for you to use. So sometimes you have rose water, right? You have water which is mixed with certain things, they call it rose water. Or you have ma'u za'faran, water which is mixed with certain powders, but it's still considered as water with the people. As long as it's considered water, even though its properties seem that they have changed, then that water is permissible for you to use, according to the explanation that I gave. Okay? So all of this is extra information. If you don't get it, it's not a problem. The things to remember and to revise from the video, like I said, is what the Imam said. Okay? This is how we study fiqh. But I'm giving you extra information, just hopefully to keep you interested and so you can have an exercise of the mind. The Imam, he says, if the person becomes doubtful about the state of the water, is it pure or not? Or other than water, meaning clothes or a place where you're going to pray, is it pure or not? Okay, what does he have to do? If a person becomes doubtful about water, is it pure or is it impure? Is this carpet pure or is it impure? Is my thought pure or impure? What does he do? He, he acts upon certainty. Okay? So, this is a container of water. Okay? A dog has passed this container of water. I saw it from a distance. The dog was around the water. So now I'm scratching my head. I'm thinking, did the dog lick from this water? Did he urinate in the water? But there's no proof that he did that because I can't see any change in the water. What should I do according to the imam? Imam, continue upon certainty, which was that I knew the state of the water before I saw the dog. I knew that the water was pure before I saw the dog. So there's no proof to show that it's become impure, so I act upon certainty. My thobe now was lying on the floor. A child came by. He urinated, urinated some places in the masjid, azakumullah. But I'm not sure now, did he urinate on my thobe or not? I can't see any traces. It's just a doubt in my mind. What does the Imam say? He says, act upon yaqeen. Stay upon certainty. You knew your thawb was pure. There's no clear proof to show that it's become impure. Therefore, remain, that it's imp uh, remain in the state of certainty. Likewise, this can be used in the opposite way. For example, khamr. We know that if khamr is left for a long time by itself, what does it turn into? Vinegar, right? So khamr is haram, it's not just not allowed for you to touch. But if it changes over time into vinegar, it's permissible for you to drink and to use. Okay? But now you're unsure, has this really changed into vinegar or not, or is it still khamr? In this situation, you're not allowed to use it because the asl, the foundation, the, the original state is that it was haram. So you have to go back to the yaqeen. The yaqeen was the original state, which was that it was haram. This is what the ulama, they say in usul al-fiqh, al-yaqeen la yazulu bishak. They give a very important principle, maxim, a rule. They say that certainty is not removed due to a doubt. 
in any situation of acts of worship or even in your life. And this is based on the hadith where Mutafaqun Alay collected in Bukhari and Muslim where Abdullah ibn Zayd radiyallahu anhu he said shukya illa nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-rajul yukhayyalu Abdullah ibn Zayd as narrated in Bukhari and Muslim he said a person complained to the Prophet or mentioned to the Prophet and in other narrations it's actually the narrator Abdullah, Abdullah ibn Zayd who said this that a person finds some movement in his stomach when he is praying you know sometimes you have gas in your stomach starts to move around you're praying and you become doubtful have I broken my wudu or not the Prophet said don't break the salah don't leave the salah until for sure you know that something has come out wind has come out or you smell something proving to you that have that you have broken your wudu so this hadith is the essence for the rule that we took because the Prophet was telling this man that leave alone your doubts and act upon your certainty. Your certainty is that you're in a state of wudu. Leave upon your doubts until you are sure that you have moved from the state of wudu to not having wudu. You see how Islam protects the mind? You know a lot of people that have waswas. Waswas, they're always thinking. You see them, for example, in the salah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. He's not sure, did he make the kabir al-ihram? When they're making wudu, they make it so often, again and again. They're not sure did they make it properly. All of this, the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us, leave alone. Just act upon yaqeen. Start to be that person who knows for sure and doesn't listen to doubts. Otherwise, you start to have mental difficulties, mental problems. In any case, this is a great principle. And it's applied to many acts of worship. That you always act upon a situation of certainty. So question. You see a container of water. You're not sure, is it pure or impure? You didn't see a dog, you didn't see anything, but you just came across this container of water. But now you're not sure, is it pure or impure? What do I do in this situation? It's a slightly different to the previous examples I gave you. You can smell the water, tayyib. you smelt it, you can't tell. But still you have a doubt, what do you do? Tawakkal ala Allah, ahsant. You trust upon Allah and you take it as being pure. Why? Because the essence of water, we said, is water is pure. So that's your yaqeen. You go back, you leave the doubt, you go back to certainty, which is that Allah He created water as being pure. So you go to the essence of, situ of things, which is that things are pure for you to use, unless there is evidence to show to you that it's become impure. طيب. The Imam, he says, وَإِنْ خَفِيَ مَوْضِئُ النَّجَاسَةِ مِنَ أَوْ غَيْرِهِ غَسَلَ مَا يَتَّيَقَّنُ بِهِ غَسْلَهَا the Imam now he's giving further examples of this principle that uh, doubt does not remove certainty and how to use it. He said, for example, if you have a thobe and you know that on the thobe there is a najasa, you know for sure. I know for sure there's a najasa. It's either this sleeve or this sleeve. But now I've forgotten which one it is. What do I do? Huh? Do both of them, right? We have to do both of them because the yaqeen in this situation is that we have to be certain that there's no najasa left. So I'm sure there's najasa, but I'm not sure which one, which, which uh, sleeve. So like the brother said, I have to wash both of them to bring me to a state of certainty and purity, okay? That's what we have to do. Then the Imam, he says, بِنَجِس If, if uh, pure water that you can use for making wudu in a container, 
you are now confused with that container and a second container which you knew was najis. One container A was pure water. Container B was what? Najis water. But your kid, he came along, your little baby child that you love so much came along and he rubbed out the A and the B. So now you're confused. Which container is which? One is najis, one is pure. Right? What do I do? Mix them if you... This is one opinion, right? But our Imam's opinion, he says you leave both of them and you make tayammum. You leave both of them and you make tayammum. Why? To be certain ahsant. So you cannot make wudu with najis water. So you have to be certain that you leave alone the najis water, you have to go to tayammum. And what the brother mentioned about mixing them, you can do that if the water is more than qullatain. And by mixing the water, the athar, the effect of the najasa water disappears. That's another opinion. But the opinion of our Imam is as we said. طيب. So the Imam he says, when Now the same situation but slightly different. You have pure water, tahur, and you have tahir water, water which is pure for itself but not purifying to others, not usable for making wudu or ghusl. What do you do in this situation where now the two containers for you, you are confused? The Imam, he says, make wudu from each one of them. Make wudu once from this water and once from this water. Why? So that you can still know that you made wudu upon certainty, yaqeen, from the pure water. And according to our Imam, the tahir water won't affect you. It's still tahir, it's not impure. Tayyib. But what about if you hold the opinion that water is only two categories like Ibn Taymiyyah and others? What will you do in that situation? Huh? Either one. You will choose either one because the mas'ala doesn't exist. The situation doesn't exist according to those who hold the opinion that water is only two types, najis and pure. Tayyib. Some scholars like Imam Shafi'i, he say in this situation, yataharra. Yataharra means you exert your effort to come to a conclusion if there is something which can help you get to that conclusion. So if there's some kind of qarina, there's some kind of way of you determining that actually this water is the najas water by smelling it, for example, or looking closely to it to see if something has changed. He says, you can exert your effort, and even if later on you came tomorrow to know that it was najas water, there's nothing upon you. Why? Because in the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, in the hadith collected by Imam Bukhari and Muslim, narrated by Abdullah ibn Masudin radiyallahu anhu, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِذَا شَكَّ أَحَدُكُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِ the Prophet ﷺ said, if one of you becomes doubtful in his prayer, he's now forgotten, did I pray three, did I pray four? So what he should do? He should exert his effort to try to remember his best where I am. Am I in the third rakah or the fourth rakah? And then he should complete his prayer according to the conclusion that he came to. Okay? And then afterwards, he makes two prostration for forgetfulness. So the wajhu dalala, meaning the evidence from the hadith, is here that if you are allowed to exert in the prayer your mind to reach a conclusion, then you're, meaning more so, more so, you're allowed to do that in the shart. The shart is the thing that's uh, pertaining to tahara. So if you're allowed to do that in the prayer, then for the tahara, even more so you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to exert your effort. So the water is pertaining to tahara. So in any issue that we mentioned about water being confused or the person being confused in his clothing, okay, 
then he can make taharra, He can make exert his effort to try to come to a conclusion, right? The Imam, one more sentence, which he says, he says, When ishtabahat thiyabun tahirun, or tahiratun bi najasatin, salla fi kulli thawbin salah bi adadin najas, wa zada salah. He says in this mas'ala, he says, if your thobes, you have a group of thobes, or even two thobes, let's say, one of them you know is impure, due to an impurity falling upon it, and one of them is pure. But you're not sure now which one is which, you've become confused. What do you do? Our Imam, he says, in this situation, what you do is you pray in each salah, in each thobe, sorry, in each thobe you pray one salah, and then you do what? Then you increase once one prayer. So you will know for sure that you have prayed in the pure thobe, out of probability, because you didn't know which one was impure, right? So the probability, you pray in this thobe, and you pray in this thobe, and you increase in one salah. Let's make it simpler, clearer. Let's say you have three thobes, right? And you know that one of the thobes was najis. In this situation, you only have to pray two prayers. Because you know by prob- probability, you have prayed one of them in a pure thobe. So you have three thobes, one you know for sure is impure, but you don't know which one. So you pray in two of the thobes, two different prayers. And by that, you will know that one of them you prayed probabilistically, one of them in a pure thobe, inshallah. And the majority of the ulama, they say, again, you can make tahari. You can exert your uh, mind to try to reach a conclusion if you are able to do that, okay? Uh, we'll stop here, inshallah. If you have any questions pertaining to what we took, then feel free to ask, inshallah. So this is another mas'ala. The brother is asking... If you have the situation that I mentioned that you have the bucket of impure water and you have the bucket of pure water and you're confused which is which. Our Imam, he said you leave both of them and go to the state of tayammum. Now the, the brother, he said, what if you don't have turab, you don't have soil and we know we need soil to make tayammum. What do we do in that situation? Well, many of the ulama, they said that you can make tayammum also from dust. So if there's dust outside on your house, upon the walls, then that suffices you for making tayammum because... Allah says, Sa'id Tayyib, okay? Sa'id literally means anything which is on the surface of the earth. So another opinion that you can go to is that anything which is on the surface of the earth, which includes in this meaning, dust. So you don't have to just rely upon Turab to make soil, to make tayammum. You can actually go to dust. Even if you can't find dust, what do you do in that situation? Then Allahu Alam. Anything correct was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Any mistakes from myself and shaitan uh, Do go back to the video uh, If it got complicated And uh, try to decipher what was said